0: Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 70 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. We are part of the Hooked on Wrestling Network, and of course, if you're listening to this in the first few days, you'll be joining us in Hooked on Wrestling's Nitro Week, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the very first episode of WCW Monday Nitro, and celebrating with me, hopefully got a glass by his side. My esteemed co host, the sports journalist, Mr Liam Hap. Hello Liam, how are you doing? Your intros, Dino, always warm my heart. Do you know that? It's wonderful oh, it's, it's stuff. Good to hear.
1: You're welcome, good
0: buddy.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Sir good. Happ. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing, more importantly?
0: Well, well, I've I've had two weeks holiday and uh, I'm I'm about I'm 11, uh, this moment in time as we record this I am roughly eleven hours away from going back to work and uh, I mean don't get me wrong I love love my job but you know I've been I've been paid for the last two weeks essentially to do sod all and I've quite enjoyed it being an essentially lazy man um, it's right up my street but uh, yeah back to the hard graft tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I was going to say you are hiding those
0: blues rather well. Well, I've um, I've I've had the house to myself, so I've been watching wrestling and eating steak today. It's Naked been a good
1: day. Sorry, I just Didn't... assume that's what people do when they've got the house to themselves. That's why I that that's why I heard other people do anyway.
0: I th- I thought I would turned that webcam off, but clearly I hadn't.
1: Now you left the private one on as I requested. You know I pay you good money for that, so I'll be pretty peeved if you turned yeah. off my private link.
0: Subscription is due at the first of the month, obviously. Um, so yeah, but um. <laughs> And, and, you know, been tentatively creeping out of the house and doing a few more vaguely normal things. After as, putting uh, your clothes back on, I hope. After, but obviously, I've put my clothes back on. And every single day I have seen, literally every single day that I have been out and about, I have seen at least two people uh, wearing a face mask incorrectly. <laughs>
1: So given a choice, right? You you're, you're to be put in a room with people wearing it incorrectly or people who refuse to wear a mask at all, who'd you pick? It's a tough one. It's a it's a really? tough one. I, I, I think... thought we would be a slam dunk, and the reason I went to make that comparison is I wanted to put a little bit of benefit of the doubt on the people wearing it incorrectly. Because I am half certain that on at least five or six occasions already in the first month of this mandated situation I've put on incorrectly myself because to this that you know I'm doing it I, I think it's I think it's right to to do it and stuff and I will do my part to try and help bring the numbers down but my word I'm really struggling with it at times
0: I mean all you need to think about is just you know refer to a picture of Glacier and wear your mask like he did That's all you need to do folks
1: I, I've tried to pretend I'm Glacier for much longer than this, this lockdown has lasted. And I've always failed. And I don't think that's going to work. But if I could find a way to be like Glacier, I would love that. I'd even well, settle yeah. for being like Glacier circa 2001. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but they actually brought him back for a cup of coffee right before the company folded.
0: Yeah. yeah and it was I all did. him and
1: Norman Smiley was like comedy gold.
0: But but also you know when when else are you going to be able to walk into a bank with a mask on and not get arrested? You should make the, you should make the most of this, people. So um so yeah we have um we we've got a, a very very special episode today. Now last time around we we had what was the longest podcast episode we have ever done with Rob McNichol from Hooked on Wrestling. We we're looking at a monumental Bash at the Beach '96. So. So, because you know, because you you guys you sat through three and a half hours of us chuntering on, <laughs> we're, we're giving you a, a a nice brief one today. This is we're, we're going like one, yeah, we're going from one one polar opposite to the other, basically
1: yeah and it's a because it's nitro week he is a it's a very sm- special short dose but I do want to clarify that that may have been the well we know it was the longest ever episode of because dose done with Rob McNichol. but I also want to point out that it was probably the shortest podcast that Rob McNichol has ever done So we managed <laughs> to does, we managed to condense him a little bit he
0: does talk doesn't he bless him I mean I love Rob but he he, he can talk he can talk oh my God um but but yeah it was uh, but, but as you said in the intro yeah if we're going to if we're going to do a a long podcast then that is a podcast to to discuss and break down because there was so much to that it. was and, you know, one of you absolutely yeah one of the all time most historically important pay-per-views in wrestling modern wrestling history so yeah but um but today um we we have got another WCW alumnus oh wow another yes, one for the indeed. list another one for the list so we've uh we've had valets we've had ring announcers we've had wrestlers we've we've had world champions but um we have got a uh a manager for the first uh the first time um in the form of sunny ono um he uh had a chat with us uh well you had to chat with me uh yesterday because poor poor old um Sonny. we had we had a few problems uh getting hold of him we had this was the third attempt um uh, after a, a a minor emergency at his end of things and uh we we finally got hold of uh of the man um yesterday but you you uh you are otherwise engaged and unavailable. So I, I took over the uh, interviewing duties, much like when you interviewed Dave Penza. One day we will both be together interviewing someone. To be um, fair,
1: we did do that with Jeannie Clark and Guy Evans. So Western, we've, man- yes. we've managed <laughs> yeah. it.
0: But yeah, it was good that you got your turn,
1: Dino, because it was awesome being able to chat to Jeff Jarrett and Dave Penza. But I did feel bad that you weren't tagged in for those. But this was your show. And yeah, to be honest, I had a few other things going on. But one of the main things that's kept me busy the last few days is we've spoken about this being Nitro Week, and as the Features Editor of Hooked on Wrestling, and one of the senior guys there, I have been plundering through no less than 50 50 brand new original features that are landing wow. throughout this week. We're looking about 6 or 7 a day, sometimes more. That includes podcasts, that includes listicles, exclusive interviews such as this one. We're hoping for a couple more, but we won't say anything just yet. We'll keep our lips sealed on some of the surprises coming your way, and some great retro reviews of classic Nitros, and, and plus each day I'll just be starting off in the morning with, with a little look back, a potted history if you will, of each calendar year that Nitro was around, and the first one landed on Monday morning, that's this morning we are recording on Monday evening, uh, and I looked at 95, and those of you listen every episode will know that we've done every 95 episode on our watch-along series now. And we're well underway with 96. But it was fun looking back at some of those things. Because I've been able to watch them in-depth recently, it was fun to be able to include things such as Hulk Hogan's midlife crisis. And (laughs) that time he and Randy Savage did a promo with a hobo. And, you know, that that amazing Sting versus Dean Malenko match. And Sting versus Hogan, the dress rehearsal that not many people know happened.
0: Fascinating no, I mean, stuff, yeah. I read that article and I was very pleased to see um mentions of the hobo Kevin Sullivan wearing uh, dresses as, a, as an old lady and dress as a lifeguard, Sting V. Milenko, of course, one of our favorite matches from Nitro. Uh, plus we had mention of, of that poor dog, uh, to poor, poor dog, different dog-sized fancy dress every week by Mongo and then when Mongo gets onto pay-per-view he's ditched the dog for a different one.
1: Ah, oh, well, that actually as I said in the bash of the beach uh, episode, and uh, I am kind of glad there was some sort of storyline payoff. And at least that meant that the original what was the original Pepe, was it? Pepe. Yeah. At least Pepe was retired from having to wear those fucking outfits.
0: Yeah, but you know, if you're Pepe, you're being told, yeah, yeah, wear this this cowboy outfit, dog sized, obviously. Um, and you know, and, and one day we'll we'll get you on pay per view. You'll get a pay per view bonus, Pepe. But no, I think no. Pepe was Doug smart. was pulled he, from under his feet. He probably negotiated
1: a pay rise every time they got a a new outrageous outfit out. He probably turned around and said, No, you know what? For that, you're gonna have to pay extra for me. And they're like, what, you want extra just for wearing this outfit? No, I want extra for having to sit on Mongo.
0: True, yeah. If, If Pepe had a good agent.
1: Listen up,
2: slap nuts. That's right, this is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one. And you're listening to Because WCW. Now, choke on that.
0: Anyway, um... Rather than talking about a fucking dog, which we've done for about too long here. Um, shall we uh shall we have a listen to um to, to Sonny Ono? We um we had a chat with him, as I said, about um his time in WCW, his time before WCW and how he got involved and, and just what he had to do behind the scenes as well as uh as well as uh, in front of the camera. I mean, what what are your favourite memories of Sonny Ono in WCW?
1: Well, I, I, I like Sonny as a manager. Uh, he he obviously didn't raise the bar or change the game as far as managers go, but he, he got the basics of it. Uh, he he was just always such a good uh, smirky and evil presence, and obviously he has a, he has a big link with uh, being in the corner of a lot of the Japanese imports because obviously behind the scenes that's what that's what led to a lot of his links with the company and we've covered some of those 95 watch-alongs leading up to Starrcade 95 and the World Cup and he was managing the Japanese wrestlers at the World Cup as well Uh, but later on he did some some other stuff that I kind of enjoyed more and I'm sure you'll agree on this Dean but one of the pairings I always appreciated was Sonny Ono and Ernest the Cat Miller Oh, yes, because that's just a, a, the, the there's just something about that pairing and their a, and their chemistry was underrated, and he he would basically carry around Ernest Miller's red dancing shoes, which would inevitably <laughs> be slipped on. It's a sort of absurdity that a wrestling fan will find. Charming and funny and entertaining, unlike most of the absurdity you've seen on WWE TV in the year 2020. Sometimes it goes over the top, and, and let's be honest, w, WCW had its fair share of uh, not good absurdity. But that, those two together, I liked it. Uh, you know, yes. we always sing the praises of Ernest Miller, but having so Sonny Ono in his corner was was just such a that is such a pro wrestling pairing. And for me, that was my personal favorite time for Sonny Ono.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, one thing that was a permanent feature was was that cheesy grin. When things were going well, nobody did a cheesy grin quite like Sadie Ono to the camera. I absolutely loved that, you know, with the sunglasses and the suit. Um, and obviously, yeah, his, his role, um, as well was, was to bridge the lang- language barrier. I mean, it, it tends to be that wrestling is a universal language, but you, you never know when, when that might be needed in the ring as well as obviously, uh, outside the ring so uh he he did have that role as well so it's um it's a it's a brief but an interesting um an interesting chat with with, with a man who, who turns out to be a really nice guy gives us also a little lesson on japanese culture as well at times so um so yeah here we go um sit back and have a listen to our exclusive interview here on because wcw with sunny Ono. no Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to a very special feature for Hooked on Wrestling's Monday Nitro Week. My name is the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, and today I'm very pleased to say that I have got myself a very special guest, a man who competed in WCW in the Nitro era. He was a manager, an on-screen presence for all those years. I'm very pleased to say welcome to Sunny Ono, Sunny, you there? Right here. Hello there. How are you doing?
2: Very good. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Yep, very good indeed. It looks like you have got nicer weather than than us here in England. Uh, I believe you said you're uh, you're in Iowa these days.
2: Yes, I am. I have always been in Iowa. Is it always okay. is it always rainy and foggy in England? <laughs>
0: We we get we get a couple of days of sunshine a year and we all go crazy, but that they've they've come and gone, you know. <laughs> um so yeah, we are uh, on Hooked On Wrestling and on my podcast because WCW uh we are celebrating uh Monday Night Week. For those of you who don't know, it's twenty-five years coming up very shortly. September the fourth, nineteen ninety-five was the very first ever episode of Monday Nitro. And you were uh part of many many an episode um start off with though for those who don't know how did you get started in WCW because originally you were in the martial arts world is that right
2: yeah well that's that's basically how I got in Eric Bischoff and I are uh, 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 teammate we used to travel around the United States as a young man in our 20s we used to go to all various tournaments all over the countries you know United States is big enough so we can drive everywhere So we used to go, uh, he was up in Minneapolis, which is about a hundred miles north of where I am now. And uh, we we would get together and, you know, we had no money. So we would get together and jump in a van and and drive to uh, uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois or Atlanta, Georgia or Dallas, Texas, you know, and we would go to tournaments and and, um, going to a karate tournament was the way that we could actually, you know, test our skills a um, uh, fight, bunch of guys doing a day, and and not go to jail, and and uh, <laughs> um, and you know, and 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 uh, uh, party with young ladies that night. That that was our thing. So you know what every twenty year old wanted to do back in the days, and that's how Eric and I became friends. And um, uh, we we I created this little game called Ninja Star Wars. It was a little low tech uh, Velcro throwing stars. Ninja Stars, that uh, I created a little game, and and Eric encouraged me to get it produced, and which I did, and uh, um, he went on. He says, "Hey, Sonny, we got to get this on television." So what he did was he approached AWA, which was based out of Minneapolis, Vern Gagne's um, yep uh, uh, group, and uh, they had a national television syndicated TV show, but. They would give them instead of paying them for you know the show, back in the days they would give them commercial spot that they could go out and sell, and and we we made a deal with them that we could we could put our game on a national television, to sell the uh, these game on a professional wrestling show. You know we didn't we didn't we didn't make a lot of money, but we, we learned a lot, and that's how Eric got into the wrestling business. And they said, "Man, you're, you're you're a good-looking kid, and and uh, you could talk, and you're a great salesman. Why don't you come and work for us?" And that's how Eric got into wrestling business. So, oh, uh, he, okay. Those, are, those, are, yeah, those of uh, the guys who love Eric you can thank me, and those who hate Eric, <laughs> they can you know they can blame me for <laughs> uh, Eric Schalf being in wrestling business.
0: So you're either to credit so, or to uh, blame, depending on your point of view, I guess. Right. <laughs> and
2: and 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 in essence, uh, when he was uh, trying to repair the business with New Japan, he asked me to come in and and uh, try to help the uh, uh, New Japan business that was the, uh, uh, I was in trouble. So we flew to Japan. He said, "Hey, you, you want to go to Japan with me?" And and I went. And uh, next thing you know, you know, I was a uh, 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 a person in charge of of uh, facilitating. Business with New Japan and WCW, and that's how I got. You know, I was behind the scene first. Yeah. And when those, uh, when when those big stars from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Masa Saito, Great Muda, Chono, Jushin the Liger, Kanemoto, Otani, Tenzan, all those guys um, started coming over to WCW, well, they needed a mouthpiece, a manager, so I became on camera a talent as well, and that's how I got in wrestling.
0: Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about your, your role both behind the scenes and, and in front of the camera um, in, in, a, in a moment. In, I think your, um, your uh, video is frozen, but we can still hear you fine, so we'll, okay. we'll carry on, don't we? Um, but um, professional wrestling is is a, a business like no other, shall we say. It's yeah. totally unique. How hard was it or how, how did you find it making that transition from martial arts to pro wrestling?
2: Well, um, you know, I I have I by then, you know, I was older than most of the guys. I mean, you know, getting in a business, you know, uh, so I mean, I, I already had my own business. I had a martial arts school. I had a, I owned a health club, and I had I had my car business. So uh, um, as far as business goes, you know, I was I was doing a liaison officers between New Japan and WCW. So that was business itself was pretty easy when it comes to that. And of course we worked with people like Masa Saito and Brad Regan's, um, who was working for new Japan at the time. So, and, and we were working with friends. So everything was pretty smooth, pretty easy, you know, as far as my end of the work was. So, um, you know, it, 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 was, um, it was very enjoyable really, you know, far as, far as, uh, it wasn't that hard, they would call me and, and, uh, uh, Either they wanted a, a merchandise, WCW merchandise, or they want to, they wanted to uh, uh, book a WCW talent to, for New Japan shows, or vice versa. We, we wanted to use their talent, and and uh, it wasn't hard. And one of the greatest thing came out of that program was that Eddie Guerrero, you know, when this when we started the Nitro, that we needed more talent, so we get to use people like Jushin Thunder Liger, mm-hmm. uh, Great Muda. Um, so you know, it actually worked out really well because we can we can highlight New Japan talent on American television. So that was you know uh, mutually beneficial, and we get to use the international superstars. So uh, um, and out of that, you know, guys like Eddie Guerrero's and and Dean Malenko's, you know, um, uh, Ultimo Dragons, Chris Jericho, all those guys that was you know, great cruiserweight came and, and signed with WCW.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was around the time that um, Dragon had the, the J crown, the eight different junior heavyweight belt, belts, wasn't it?
2: Actually, it was 10 belts.
0: 10 belts, I beg your pardon? 10 belts.
2: And he is the only person, um, because of, you know, conflict between WWF and WCW, you know, he was the only person to actually owned WCW and WWF belt at the same time.
0: Mm, of course, yeah, the old WWF Junior Heavyweight Belt, yes, right, yeah, excellent. So I mean, so yeah, so your your role behind the scenes was was liaison between the the two camps. And I, I I presume bridging the language barrier as well at times.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's certainly helpful that 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 uh, I was born in Japan, so my my Japanese are I, certainly um, um, helpful, and and more than anything else, culturally. You know mm. there's a lot of uh, cultural mistake that was made um, because you know doing business I don't know if you've done business in Japan but in Asia in general, but especially in Japan, you know they're not you know way they do business is it's is in relationship. it's not just it's not just something is better or cheaper you know beneficial to you. you make that choice over there they make choice one of the important part of their choices, who you doing a business with you know it's, it's not about what benefits me what benefits us in general you know if it um it's not about just money either or, you know yeah. or, or just business or that that plays a big part but 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 you know it's it's doing business with people you like you know um many international business have a, a, a issue with that you know the guy can't believe why why that um, Japanese you know, car maker don't use GE headlights. You know, it doesn't matter if GE headlights are better, cheaper, brighter. You know, that yes. makes, none of those makes any difference because relationship back, just like way you guys used to do in feudal days in England. You know, between when you guys were fighting in France and in Spain, you guys would marry off your children as kind of like a oh. hostages. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Japanese did in their funeral days yeah. you know I want to make sure you don't attack me because my kid is married to your kid you know that yeah. kind of thing and that Absolutely. actually that that plays into a lot of the big, big business you know Japan is controlled by basically three companies uh, uh, Mitsubishi, Mitsui and Sumitomo and those families still control Japan to this day and oh, know, right. they're, they're the heavy industry and they're shipbuilders and you know, all those things along with everything from cars to, you know, Japanese don't do things on their own when they shoot a rocket satellite up there. It's usually by three, those three families that I just mentioned. Okay. Yeah. They don't want to fail on their own. If I fail, you fail with me. We succeed. We all succeed. You know, that's their mentality. So
0: I'm with you. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That's really interesting. Um, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so how did how did you transition from being a a behind the scenes liaison between these two companies into being the the grinning suited heel manager Sonny Ono that we all remember?
2: Well, that character was developed. You got to remember at that period in, in time, you know, the the, the Japanese. Was, this was before the bubble, so that the Japanese had a lot of cash and they were buying off golf courses and, you know, hotels in, in the United States because they were, they were flush with cash. So um, um, what really happened was that I played on that character, um, you know, Japanese business, wealthy Japanese mis- businessmen who, who wanted to come in and buy everything and, and control everything. So that was my character. And that character was developed by guys like Masa Saito, you know, a guy like Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart. You know the great managers. They're mm-hmm. the one who helped me put together that character, and and you know and 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 about um, seventy-five percent of that is, is what I would like to be, in real life. So it wasn't that hard, and and we had a lot of fun doing it. You know, um, and, and uh, uh, it wasn't that hard at all because I have done martial art movies and stuff like that in in, in Hong Kong and in Canada. So. As far as acting goes, or a little bit of acting you play, you know, certainly when you're playing, you know, uh, uh, ego egomaniac part of yourself is not that hard to play.
0: I I know the feeling well from my uh from my own experiences as a manager. Absolutely, it is it is you with the volume turned up is it, in some degree some degrees definitely. So, I mean, you you became an on-screen manager at a time in wrestling when managers would. Would largely being phased out in a lot of other promotions. Yeah. Did did you find that? Um, let's start with the American wrestlers first of all. Did you find American wrestlers like happy to work with a, a manager in their matches?
2: Well, you know, if, if, every person I managed was requested by them. So you know, it wasn't it wasn't requested by the the, the bookers. Of course, Japanese was, was mainly because so they can uh, uh, they needed a mouthpiece, mm-hmm. you know. So that was, that, that was no brainer. Um, but far as guy like Ernest Miller, um, or, or some of the luchador, I manage, you know, that luchador became, because once again, they didn't speak English yeah. and, and they wanted, they wanted to put uh, luchador more into the main, main, uh, stay of the, um, um, uh, storyline, which I, I could do, um, you know, put it, put him in a storyline. So that worked out really well. And, and, uh, uh, Ernest, you know, another martial art guy who yeah. wanted to be involved. Uh, uh, that's my puppy's going. My French bulldog's going, going off over there. Um, so uh, you know, it, it really wasn't hard at all. Um, it, it was, it was, you know, rather easy.
0: And for the for the Japanese wrestlers, I mean, in in Japanese wrestling, they they have more people as as seconds than than managers. Were they did, were they, uh, ha, did they find it easy to adapt to the American style with the American style heel manager there?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think they had any issue with it. You know, they were they were in rig character and they basically understand what we were doing. You know, I was always bragging about how superior Japanese wrestlers were, you know, culturally, you know, you know, your country only been around for a couple of years. What do you think, you, you know, just because you got a big ship and a gun doesn't make you guys any smarter than any of us, you know, that kind of thing. So
0: Yeah you know it's
2: really really as a heel manager it's really easy to insult the united states
0: <laughs> guaranteed you, to get a reaction you no
2: know.
0: absolutely um so we we're talking uh, this week about the, the 25th anniversary of the, the first ever episode of monday nitro which is which is coming up this week what was the the reaction like within wcw when it was announced that monday nitro was going to go head to head with with monday night raw did everyone think that that someone in wcw was crazy or, or was everyone up for the fight
2: well no i i think it worked out really well i mean you know that that I mean, that period of time from you know 94 to 2000 you know i i think I don't think anybody can really dispute the fact that he was probably best time for wrestling for the talent,
0: mm.
2: best time wrestling for the fan. And, and, you know, and uh, um, the product, he can't because the competition product was better, um, you know, and we had nothing to lose. We are you know, we were way down in second place, you know, so as far as that goes really easy. I mean, and when we start catching up to him, and start beating him for as Eric Bischoff's 83 weeks. Yeah, um, you know it, it was no brainer. We were we were having fun, and I I am um, blessed that I was involved in that period of time. Got to play my little part with the, uh, uh, international talent, and and um, um, you know it it was just great fun time
0: who who would you say were your favorite wrestlers to work with either as as a client on your side or as an opponent
2: well i had a lot of fun with ernest miller you know that was that was the first american um uh, wrestler that i managed you know but um probably most successfully had was ultimate dragon Mm -hmm. uh, um you know ultimate dragon was great you know he and 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 amazing part is he's still he's still at it he's still right yeah.
0: you know i mean how how he must be what in his is he in his 50s now or
2: 50s yeah
0: yeah yeah um, and still going
2: i think i think his birthday if i'm right like he's born in 66
1: so yeah
0: cool well and and what what about as you mentioned about um, Ernest Miller, there. What about opponents to work against? Who who do you have particular fond memories of working against?
2: Well, you know, the, we got to work with just because we were on, a, you know, I was on almost on every Nitro, and and uh, uh, you know, working with guys like Rey Mysterio was fun. But one of the most fun we ever had working it was um, uh, working with the, when I had the ladies here, you know, against Medusa.
0: Uh-huh. Hukta,
2: who's even to this day, she is still the women champion of oh. and, and uh um she still has the belt by the way. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh I, I would I was uh last November actually on the Fuji Television, which is the biggest TV network in Japan, I went over there and did a special about her belt. You know, she didn't know what to do with the belt you know, and so we did a special, actually flew to Japan and did a segment of that. Um, so that was fun, but you know, working with Medusa was was a blast. You know, because we Medusa is so talented. She actually trained in Japan with all Japan women group. So, and and mind you, those girls in Japan, even to this day, they're they're so stiff. So you know, I, I I believe that they're better wrestlers than you know so many no disrespect to male wrestlers, but so many people Ooh. out there, you know, um, uh, they, just because they have the underdog kind of attitude. So I think they, they put out better product when they wrestle, you know, women out there they you know, they, they feel like I, I feel like they got something to prove every time they go out there. Yeah. And I'm working right now on a fight TV. Um, which is the uh, 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 a platform with a lot of independent professional wrestling and international professional wrestling, we're bringing over um, uh, crazy DDT wrestling from Japan, and they are really out there. Some of this stuff they do. Oh yeah, and and they have they have a company called Tokyo Joshi, has a largest group of women wrestler under their you know their uh, uh, roster. And I, we work with them. We did a pay-per-view month ago. And uh, uh, we'll be doing another one. Hopefully, we'll be doing a monthly show with them. And uh, on uh, September the 22nd, uh, we will be doing a live show out of Tokyo of Pro Wrestling NOAA. Oh, okay. CyberFight is a parent company that owns all three companies that I just mentioned, NOAA, uh, DDT, and Tokyo Joshi. And uh, I'm doing color commentary in English of all those shows, along with uh, uh, my fellow uh, play-by-play guy, Rob Hoffman. Um, He is the former writer for WCW and former writer for WWE. So, you know, he's only have a history of about 20-something years. And he was a broadcaster for uh, New York Giants as well, a football team. So, you know, we've been at it. And, and, uh, you know, some of the, the stuff, that, that you don't get to see in the United States what's nice about fight TV is it's you know you can watch it on your phone and you can watch it on your smart TV you know um, and you get to watch it live or you can watch it later you know yeah uh, whenever you want on demand so it's it's a pretty good pretty good deal that that, that uh, you can just jump in watch it whenever you want pause it watch it again later or watch it again tomorrow so i love the platform uh i love the technology because i can do the play-by-play right here at my home just like i'm talking to you yeah and and, you know uh we can call it right from here and i don't have to do 14 hour plane ride one way to get there and do that so um works out really well for us
0: Excellent, excellent. That's good. Great to hear you're you're still still involved in the business as well. Because that was going to be one of my other questions, but you've answered it already. Um, one one thing I, on on my uh, my podcast, because WSW, where we we watch back over you know, old WW shows, yeah. sometimes we've noticed that. The fan but I think because the fans may not be familiar with some of the the Japanese wrestlers that they didn't necessarily react as well or as as enthusiastically as we'd have hoped, and I guess that was why you were put in there to be a, a constant presence that they could be familiar with um did you find that from your position at ringside that that sometimes they didn't react as as much as you'd have liked, or were you happy with things? No, I
2: think ninety percent of the time. I think I, I really believe, um, as you can see, it was a pop, you know, popular demand for New Japan Pro Wrestling or Japanese wrestling is in general, you know, you know, Japanese style. What they call it, a strong style, and it's a little bit more stiffer. You know, they do a little bit more mat wrestling, a little bit more more catch wrestling, uh, uh, cruiserweight. You know they'll do they'll do more of um, um, they'll do more of uh, what they call the um, um high flying stuff which is a hybrid with some of the luchadors. because Ultima dragon of course trained in Japan or and but he was also really became Ultima dragon out of uh, uh, Mexico
0: yeah
2: so he'll do the high flying stuff you know and who originated that originally and made that really famous of course the tiger, original tiger mask. Mr. Sayama, which I met with uh, a few months ago, you know, he's not in good health, but I wanted to, I wanted to see him. And uh, yeah, he gave me one of his masks and signed it for me. So uh, 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 that was, that was quite, you know, I also met with, last time I was there, I met with Mr. Inoki as well, but you know, those kind of things we, I got to do because of my involvement. So, uh, but far as far to answer your question about reaction, you know, it was pretty easy for me because we were heels. It didn't matter, you know, how popular Great Buddha was, you know, he's just a natural heel. We were coming from different country. Just like uh of course, you know, Lord Stephen Regal that we had, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, pompous Englishman and that's what he played, you know. And and it, it, we're just natural, we are natural heel anyway, so it just makes things that much easier for us. Um and and uh uh I think with uh, uh people like Masa Saito, who was really famous certainly in the United States, and people like Grey Muda and Chono, and you know, and he blew up once once they became uh they double crossed me and went back, took that NWO Japan angle back to Japan, you know, that thing blew up over there. Yeah. And, you know, they told me uh I went to Masa Memorial event in Osaka last year with Eric Bischoff. And one of their executives from New Japan told us that, that they sold, they sold um, seven million dollars worth was a uh, uh, t shirt in 1990. Wow,
0: seven million dollars.
2: Seven million dollars. Wow. Think about that. They were selling t-shirt for thirty five bucks a pop. So.
0: Yeah do the maths. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What what would you say, Sonny, was your favorite moment in WCW that you were personally involved in?
2: Well, you know, I mean, there's so many moments that we had. Uh, uh, a Sturgis with Bonacano. Uh, I rode it in a Honda motorcycle. Imagine that, in Sturgis when all the Honda <laughs> um, Medusa, Medusa took a slash hammer to my Honda, and that was fun. Um, of course, you know, uh, uh, Ultimo Dragon um, uh, winning WCW belt, you know, um, and and uh, the World War 3 pay-per-view with uh, WCW versus New Japan, that was one of the first time I made, you know, my my uh, appearance as the, the, the Sunny Ono, the Evo Japanese manager. Um, you know, that was, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, so you know, there's there so many stuff that we got to do. Um, that was just so much, you know. When you're playing, you when you're playing a character, you know, basically, you know, super ego of yourself. It's a lot of fun.
0: Um,
2: you know, you you get to do that and 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 uh, um, get paid. There's nothing like it.
0: Very therapeutic, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. You, <laughs> said you
0: played manager. Absolutely, yeah, for many years in this country, so in the exactly UK. I do indeed very much so. Yes. One final question for you, Sonny. If you could go back in time and change one thing about your time in WCW, what would it be?
2: Um. Really. Really, I mean that's a great question, and I'm 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 trying to think, but um we wish the only thing I would have done is, is more is it, it would have, been, it would have been more fun to do uh few more things was new Japan. Of course, you know, like I said, I got to go, um, you know, I got to go to, um, um, North Korea. With the- oh, yes. And, you know, um, mm. so, so, uh, far as that goes, you know, I, 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 I wish I would have got to do more show in Japan, you know, because like I said, Japanese, I mean, it's it's kind of, it didn't make sense for me because they don't need a mouthpiece in Japan. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't work to Japan. I only did one tour over there being a manager playing that character. Um, but um, other than that, um, yeah, I, I wish I could have done more in Japan as, as, as playing that you know the man, managing those guys, but it wasn't necessary, you know.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: so so other than that, man, I mean, I, I have no regrets really, I really don't. And and uh, um, uh, you know, independent scenes is so popular right now, of course. The COVID thing kind of puts a kibosh on everything else, yes. But, um, you know, looking forward to it. I still do, like, uh, like I told you, with the fight TV, I'm bringing all this, you know, pro wrestling, Noah is is their their matches and stuff like that it's is no different. And and some of the character matches and matches and season pro they have, and if, if you, maybe you can tell your audience later on how Pro Wrestling Noah came off from all Japan.
0: Yeah, and, from Mizawa, yeah.
2: And, yeah, and, and uh their wrestling quality wise is they don't take second seat to New Japan at all. So being able to bring that to the United States and the rest of the world, you know, because on a fight TV, you know, as long as you have the app, you can watch it anywhere in the world. And and uh, I'm really happy that I'm part of that to bring, you know, those event uh, product from CyberFight, which is the parent company, um, bringing that. And, and they're talking about doing tour of the United States. They're talking about doing tour of Europe. So, you know, I'm gonna be involved helping them put together some of those tours so uh you know he, he, i might be seeing you in
0: person in england that would be wonderful i mean yeah pro wrestling though has got a great history here in the uk we've uh one of our greatest ambassadors and a friend of hooked on wrestling doug williams was a tag team champion over there and he brought over several japanese visitors for tours of the uk off the top of my head i can think of um muhammad yone and Takeshi morishima uh, Segura, people like that who all came over from um from Noah. So um and and we've had um we've had recently Chris Ridgeway um going over there and being successful. So yeah there's a there's a great uh, relationship and a great history between between Pro Wrestling Noah and the United Kingdom. Not to mention of course um Mr. Sayama who you talked about who was uh, very famous in the UK in the early 80s as Sammy Lee before he went back to Japan and became tiger mask and black tiger mark Rocco, who obviously right. uh, passed away just just recently well sunny thank you so much for your time with a bit of luck um once uh, the world gets back to some some semblance of normality we may very well uh, see you over here in the uk with uh, with pro wrestling and fight tv um if people want to get hold of you or see you on social media how can they find you
2: Sunny Ono on a Facebook. I'm, I'm there most of the time. I have a Twitter and, and, and other accounts, but Facebook is probably the easiest. You know, they can message me. Um, um, but, uh, um, and I work with a company called Lucho Otaku out of LA, um, which is a production company. Um, they're the one. We'll be doing on a fight TV. We're starting weekly, um, free to, to anybody who wants to sign in, get an app, and you can watch what's coming, what's going to be coming up from Japan, a lot of that. And along with what's on Fight TV. So uh, you'll be seeing me around a little bit more often.
0: Great stuff. Sonny, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, fans, for tuning in. That was Sonny Ono from WCW. Well, great, uh, great stories there. Thanks thank for you very much. and
2: I'll be talking to you soon.
0: Arigato. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I tell you what, Dean. I know that was a brief interview, but I enjoyed that, and I I'll always enjoy when we can get frontline WCW alumni on the show. But it's, it was great to hear from him, and well, let, let's just say he he knows how to uh, he he know he knows where the money is in the future, does he? <laughs> he know he knows how to keep that hustle going. Fair enough. You know, if if anyone's wondering about what he's doing next. Well, you're not wondering because he was... He... I
0: think you mentioned something about Fight TV. I'm not sure. Yeah, very catch... subtle. Yeah, very subtle, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was, great, it was great for you to catch up. And I love the fact that it was indeed uh, a British wrestling manager extraordinaire and a Japanese wrestling manager extraordinaire swapping such notes on how to do the right pose on or, or, on how to stick your arms out to say, here's my guy with that smirk on your face. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and what's what's interesting there is is how he didn't, you know, as he mentioned, he he mentioned earlier, you know, that these situations kind of present themselves to you, and you don't need to go overboard. So the fact that he is a Japanese manager with Japanese or in some cases Mexican wrestlers against the Americans, that is a scenario that writes itself. Um, and, and obviously, where he was talking about one of the great angles with with Medusa and Bull Nakano, with the Honda and the Harley at the the, the um, Road Wild Rally in Sturgis. I mean, you just all you need to do is come out on a Honda and you've got your heat, and that's exactly what they did. They didn't, yeah, you know, they didn't need to overegg the pudding. They, they he knew what to do and when to do it.
1: Yeah, I remember Harlem Heat had a really simple formula when it came to working Road Wild, didn't they? They seem mm. to have it mastered in the, <laughs> in the simplicity yeah. stage.
0: I'll I'll just shuffle uncomfortably at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I guess you know, in in a, it's it's knowing your audience, which is what wrestling is all about. True, um, true. And you know, this is why you know, you you get the the best wrestlers are the ones who can who can adapt. Um, I always I have a very fond memory of uh, James Mason, who's someone who has been a stalwart of the British wrestling scene for many a decade now, uh, and I remember him uh, coming out to a um, he was a guest on a, a pro wrestling Noah show at Wolverhampton, and uh, I saw his name on the bill and I thought this this crowd, you know, the smart crowd, that they're gonna they're gonna swallow him up, they're gonna hate hate what he does because he was you know more of the the family entertainment as you, you might say and he immediately read the crowd and had them within two minutes had them eaten out of his hand because he adapted his performance to meet what they wanted and that that's the sign of a great pro is just is knowing your audience and and that's what um that's what these guys that's what sanyo was able to do
1: yeah, it's true. I mean, you just need to look at the the modern day product for, for how important that is, because so so many wrestlers are unfortunately in a in a business that's borderline monopoly. So many wrestlers are, are trained up one specific way and not allowed to try and adapt because because the WWE would would hate that. And so when things don't go exactly how they want them to go. You've got you've got a deer in the headlights in the ring, and you've got stubborn executives growling backstage. When wrestling was always built on being able to roll with it. Yeah, I mean,
0: you look at someone like Eddie Guerrero, and you look at how he was when we started the Nitro alongs and he was very much a a, a technically adept but bland babyface. You remember him having to get guided through that promo with Mean Gene. And then you you look back to to um, his championship years in the WWE where he he could be a, a heel or a face equally easily he could he could fly he could brawl he he could do different styles of match and and it's exactly that it's just it's adapting to, to understanding what your audience want and um and yeah sometimes as you know I've got. My own experience of that as well, of course, where where you don't need to do anything clever, you just need to give the audience what they want, or in some cases, what they don't want. But that is going to elicit the reaction that you want. And, um, and Sonny Ono, you know, always got um, a, a reaction from that live crowd, yeah.
1: But, yeah, good start is so good having another. Another top guy on from the WCW days and fingers crossed we'll we'll be able to keep sorting out a few more. We're always we're always putting the feelers out there. You know, a lot of these guys are very busy with their with their current endeavours. Some of them to be brutally honest just don't even wanna look back. I I remember uh having some interactions with Vampiro about a year ago because I reviewed um he's you know what a very good watch for a hardcore wrestling fan it's an eye-opening opening documentary of vampiro uh and i reviewed that for the indie corner um and that led to a, a bit of an exchange we were a pleasant exchange but I put it out there I said we'd love to have a podcast and he's like you know what? I'm happy to leave those WCW years behind me and, fair you, enough. Yeah, yeah. and you can't make these guys talk but a- anyone who's, who's up for chatting it was ama- amazing having like people like Jeannie Clark on which was facilitated by one of our great fans Nabdeep Rahil uh, who, who, who put it together for us and we appreciate that uh, and anyone you know even some guys who listen to the the podcast from time to time, like Dave Penzer, he's always interacting with our stuff on Hooked on Wrestling as well. So yep. there's always opportunities to come up, and we're going to keep moving those cogs, get a few more alumni on, and when we can't, we're just going to keep trying to entertain by swearing a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we uh, we're all going well. We should have uh, another um, episode coming up for Nitro Week. Um, looking over. The uh, history and the influence and the legacy of of Monday Nitro itself, because it really did change the face of American television wrestling for good. Uh, And we'll be looking over that with a special guest All going well in the next few days Um, So yeah, don't forget Go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk That is the website For all the features of Nitro Week You can find all of our Podcasts on that site Or you can go to our own website Becausewcw.podbean.com That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N Or you can find us on Twitter At BecauseWCW Or Facebook.com Forward slash BecauseWCW BCW, and if you do uh, use a um, podcast service or many of which are available then please do subscribe to us and rate and review us uh, we're very very grateful for anyone and everyone who takes the time and trouble to uh, give us a, a rating and a review it helps spread the word um, and talking of anniversaries we're fast approaching our third birthday I
1: can't believe it Dean and what I can't believe is that this episode number 70 wow 70 episodes in three years i swear after two years we we'd only made about 30. we have we have really hustled this last 12 months has been amazing and and considering that 12 months ago I, I i think both of us were wondering honestly we were wondering whether or not we should continue this, because as much as you guys have always reached out with a love and all that, I had a few episodes with my laptop that were really making things frustrating. And, uh, and I think we were wondering how much time we could devote to it. Things like the lockdown have helped, obviously, but I'm so golden glad we...
0: Podcast, golden
1: age for a Golden age for podcasting. Age. <laughs> and I'm so glad we decided to carry on because year three has been our best year yet. And Absolutely. we've we've not started yet. Now I can say that we have not started yet.
0: And uh, I've just looked up the uh, the gift for third anniversary is uh, leather. So that um, not like that. So much. Uh, I was going to say so much to uh, to work on between now and the third anniversary episode.
1: I have been married for over three years. I can say that the third wedding anniversary was really well. It was kind of tame actually. I got a wallet. But I know lovely? where you what you guys were thinking. What me? Yo, you as one of them, but yeah. I I think we have many depraved minds listening to us. Yes, I mean you. Yeah, you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you uh, thanks again oh, on that to, note. <laughs> uh, to Sun Kevin, um for giving up his time to speak to us. Very grateful for that. Um we will be back very very shortly shortly in a quicker succession than normal as i said as we continue to mark night for week here on hooked on so on behalf of liam Hat, this has been the twisted genius saying thanks for listening and we'll see you ringside